Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Doors of Portland. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving West Portland out to Hillsboro, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. So on this episode of the podcast, we are missing Nick. Nick had some other obligations to take care of, but we have Alyssa Vincenthaler. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, you did. All right. Alyssa is a candidate for Portland City Council, uh, position four against Chloe U. Daly. Mm-hmm. And you are also trans and a member of the Native American, uh, the Cherokee Nation? Northern Cheyenne. Northern Cheyenne. Okay. Now Northern Cheyenne Nation. So before we get too deep into the questions why don't you just give us a little bit of your background and because i know you're a veteran as well so like how you grew up how you got to be in the military and then i guess kind of how you discovered you were trans and then how you've been received by the republican party okay yeah for sure okay so i grew or uh, i was born here in portland oregon but when i was very young probably about two or three i moved to lame deer montana and I was raised there, the Northern Cheyenne um, Indian Reservation. I was raised there until I was 12. And that's when we moved back to the Portland area. And from there, yeah, raised here. I was a Democrat for a long time. I grew up around, yeah, I mean, yeah, in Portland, it's kind of hard not to do that. But yeah, went to school. I was, I remember being a little more patriotic than other, uh, you know, people I went to school with. But, you know, it was, uh, I, that's kind of what inspired me to join the Army once I got out of high school. Uh, yeah, in 2013, I enlisted to, or, uh, yeah, as a cavalry scout, the U.S. Army, mm-hmm. and I was with, uh, stationed at Fort, or I was, uh, stationed at Fort Campbell, and, uh, was in the Army for a few years, then, you know, got out when my contract was done, and then, uh, moved back to the Portland metro area 2016. Oh, yeah, and then went to school for a while, uh, here in Portland. I, uh, yeah, I went to college for a bit, and that's when I, uh, I guess I started seeing differences between, you know, differences in thought between myself and, I should say, left-wing uh, individuals. Like, we, uh, there's a bit of a difference there, but... Sure. Yeah, and then that's when I uh, started discovering I was more right-leaning, and before, uh, well, yeah. And then uh, it was while I was in college, I, uh, I started transitioning. Okay. I started that process in uh, 2017. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you said you were a Democrat growing up. Was that just sort of the default or did you find that there were certain policies that the Democrats had that you resonated with? Personally, or? it was more of a default. I know or a lot of other people I hung out with and known for years were Democrats, but there started to be some differences, I guess, in in policies that started becoming more and more mainstream on the left wing side of things since, uh, yeah. Uh, like let's take open borders for instance i i disagreed heavily on that and okay so uh you came back to portland you i i just a little bit of your bio you were sort of involved with antifa a little bit a little bit mm? okay and then just uh 
you kind of realized that they were not who they claimed to be and that it can you tell me a little bit about your thought process as you kind of move from the Antifa to the other side of the fence to the the right-leaning folks? Sure. So what happened was while I was going to college, people I had known for years were getting involved in the Antifa movement here in Portland. It's uh, like if it had just been one or two people telling me that, oh, there are literal Nazis out in Portland, I would have been like, oh, whatever. But this was a lot of people. And it actually... I didn't realize really though that it, they were just talking about Republicans at mm. the end of the day. Like that, that was the weird part was that it was, uh, I think it was the first time that a Trump supporter was pointed out and they're like, yeah, there, that's the Nazis. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was a really yeah. weird moment. But, uh, yeah, I saw an individual get, um, assaulted by the Antifa that I was with at the time. I didn't, but, or I didn't, uh, participate in that, but I saw it and I thought to myself, okay, this is wrong. And just from there and there started being more disagreements between myself and those who were Antifa before I was like, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, I think one of the things that the left-wing media has really succeeded with is painting Republicans or Trump supporters in particular as these racist, sexist, homophobic Nazis, literal Nazis. And I don't like to, well, I admit it, but I don't like that there are there are some Nazis who identify as Republican. Absolutely. Um, and But there are fewer than the media makes there out to be, but more than we'd like. That's kind true. Of a, a good way to put it. <laughs> that is. Um, so I think one of the things that I've been trying to do through my candidacy and through this podcast is to separate, I guess, the the true Nazis from the Trump supporters who are labeled Nazis by the left-wing media. and that has been difficult. I just had a conversation today with a guy uh, just downstairs in, in my building and he wants to quote unquote punish the Republican party for supporting Trump and for all these things. And just like, I don't know, that seems so much like team sports. You know, I, I hate, I hate the Yankees because they're the Yankees. You're like, what, why do you hate the Yankees? You know, because you're, you're a Red Sox fan that what, what do you have to, you know, you can, hate an individual i guess but you hate an entire group of people simply because they they checked a box on a form that doesn't make any sense to me so what i've seen of the thought process that went into let's say that kind of mindset is that it's a good guy versus bad guy mentality is what Mm -hmm. i've seen in it is that they see themselves as the good guys or liberators or whatever you want to call them and then they see uh they see their uh those who disagree with them on any number of things as bad guys. That's what I that's what I've noticed from the individuals I talked before I switched sides. That was their mindset a lot of the time. Is that just speaking to Republicans, yeah, not, not even Trump supporters, but even just Republicans, if there's any kind of disagreement, then they say, Oh, that's a Nazi right there. That's crazy. It absolutely. And it, I, it's gotta be the media that's pushing this narrative because I remember growing up talking to Democrats and it wasn't like that. You know, you could, you could disagree on policy. You could disagree on who you're voting for and then still be friends at the end of the day. And I don't know. I hate to blame the media for everything. That seems like a kind of a right wing trope, but I can't think of anything else that, that would be causing it other than just, just this hyper partisanship that we're, that we're going into. Honestly, yeah, I feel like that it's it's partially the media and it's partially for uh, I I I don't want to say community leaders exactly, but like let's say community organizers who go out and they uh what was it like I've seen some events that are started with a like uh, how do I put it like a good 
There are good intentions. Good intentions. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. There are events with good intentions, but then it, once it pans out, then, you know, assaults take place on right wing pr- protesters or right, even just people walking on the sidewalk. Actually, I've seen just like not, not even right wing necessarily. There was a, what was it? At the end of uh, 2017, there was a Bernie supporter who got beaten by Antifa downtown mm. just because he had an American flag. They thought that he was on the opposite team. So they went and attacked them. And it was just, it's crazy that yeah. this is where we're at in Portland. I have spoken with Andy No a couple of times, and he's sort of the most famous victim of Antifa. And so Andy says some somewhat inflammatory things online, which is fine. You know what? That's his right. Mm-hmm. But he is not a violent person. He's not threatened anyone. I've you know I've watched his videos. He goes and videotapes things. That's that's just kind of his thing. And he talks to people and doesn't take crap from people. But I I cannot imagine him being. Again, I don't know the entire story, but I I cannot imagine that he would threaten or be violent with someone. But he just got he got beat up by these guys, got put in the hospital, got his stuff stolen, and there still have been zero arrests, mm-hmm. zero arrests for for his assault. He's just kind of crazy to me. I mean, anyway, just- it is it absolutely is. Andy No is someone that I know or I've known since I. Uh, I, I guess once you say I left Antifa around the end of uh, December 2018, mm-hmm. it was uh, Andy No was somebody who I saw. Like I've I met him before he got famous, I should say. But sure. I've seen him honestly the entire time I've known him. Though he was just a journalist, he didn't he wasn't a violent person at all. He's honestly a nice guy. I mean, even even then and even now, I don't see. Yeah, like you said, he says some things online. I mean, that I could be like, okay, that's a little, but it's his right, absolutely. Yeah. At the end of the day, and yeah, yeah I don't see. Why why he deserves to be attacked for it it doesn't make any sense that's yeah that is drawing the line and and i've heard some arguments online that first amendment rights are based on the government and that you know actions still have consequences the things you say still have consequences but to be physically assaulted for something you said is that's across the line that Absolutely. That, that is something that should not happen you know you you don't like what somebody says fine don't talk to that person don't deal with them don't interact with them that's fine but as soon as you cross that line and start physically assaulting someone for something they said that's too far and you should be go to jail for assault it's true i've seen both sides of the fence here and honestly at the end of the day assault should just be assault it shouldn't be well he did it because of these reasons or you know the person who attacks anyways they can't it's weird that they try to justify it online is what i've seen they justify it in person and say hey well i did it for this reason because that person is you know their belief is this or whatever and it's like well that that still doesn't give you the excuse to go around beating people up yeah it's wrong i've seen a number of times here in portland it's crazy yeah exactly well let's uh switch gears a little bit you're trans female um so born male transition to female and you are still a republican yes so I don't know. Are you familiar much with the Republican platform? I'm curious what your thoughts are. Mm, which part? Well, so there's a part that basically says there are two genders. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have the whole thing written in front of me. But uh, there's two genders. And basically, you should use the bathroom of the gender that you were born with on your birth certificate or something like that. And that is something that that particular line is something that I personally fi- get find offensive and have tried to get removed from the platform unsuccessfully. What are your thoughts on some of that more inflammatory language that sort of targets the trans community or even just, you know, the marriage should be between one man and one woman that is, I believe, targets the the gay community? Sure. Well, okay. So my belief when it comes to that is that while those 
there are those who believe that, yeah, like you said, marriage should be between a man or a woman, or that if you're born some or born one gender, you shouldn't be, you know, anything else. My view is that they are allowed to believe that, but I disagree with it. Hmm? If that okay. makes any sense, I say that. I mean, we're all allowed to live the tr- truest, most freest lives we can, as long as we're not hurting anybody. I think that that should just be on the individual at the end of the day. And I disagree with. Uh, I, I mean, I disagree with it, but they're allowed to say it. That's yeah. where I put it. No, I, I I agree with you on on that. Um, my problem is that it is in the Oregon Republican Party platform. Like it has been vetted is the wrong word, but it has been voted on by the the members as something that we, as the Republican Party of Oregon, believe in. Oh it, wow! Yeah, and so have you felt discriminated against or? Have you talked with some of the people maybe who have who are supportive of that being in the platform? Yes, actually, I have. I've spoken at length with a lot of people about this kind of stuff. So when it comes to, uh, let's say, those who are firmly rooted in the belief that, you know, whatever you're born as is what you are or that, you you know, marriage should be between a man and woman. What I've noticed is the best solution to this is to actually sit down and talk to them hmm. rather than just saying, OK, well, they believe all these things. They're evil. I believe hey let's actually just sit down and talk you know at the end of the day i believe that that's the best way to help people understand our own situations our own you know our own experiences the best way to change minds is to actually speak to people i believe and i think that that's what needs to happen in order to yeah we have a member of the multnomah county republican party who uh used i don't know if you call it trans or used to be trans he was born male transitioned to female and then ended up transitioning back and and now is identifies as male detransitioning detransitioning okay that's that's the turn and i think that especially at the orp platform convention in pendleton this past summer where that line was added about the there are two genders you use the thing it was interesting to me to see people from the multnomah county republican party who know this individual standing up against that line and a lot of the people from eastern oregon or other places who maybe don't have as much contact with trans people who are voting for it and i almost think to your point that just more exposure might help people i I think that a lot of these sort of in my mind backwards ideas about gender are because you don't the people who feel those that way don't haven't actually met a trans person or haven't met a gay person and don't really just sort of see them as this other as this uh, this this entity that wants to teach their kids weird things about sex and (laughs) like i understand yeah it's well okay so (laughs) (laughs) so um what honestly what I've noticed is that there are some of those on, I, I want to say in the LGBT community who feel that the best way to change minds is to focus on the next generation instead of, you know, our current generation by, you know, t- mm. let's say drag queen story time, for instance. I don't understand it personally, but it's, it's a thing that happens, I guess. <laughs> but it's, um, the best way to put it is that there are some LGBT people, yeah, who view that, yeah, the best way to change minds is instead to focus on children. I disagree with that part personally, because I think that instead it should be up to, those children should wait till they're 18 to even figure that out personally. I mean, I, I waited until I was, what, 23? I mean, until I started transitioning, I started figuring out who I was. And I think that that's honestly the best approach, because you come at, or you come into the LGBT world instead with a more mature mindset, mm-hmm. rather than if you're a kid, you don't really understand it. And that's, in my view, how we end up with somebody who detransitions, for instance. 
That's a really good point. There's a big debate going on about, you know, allowing kids, minors, basically to transition with hormone therapy or with gender reassignment surgery. And I have very mixed feelings about that because on one hand, I would, I, you know, to your point, just let people live how they want to live. But if you are a minor and you are dealing with identity, you don't know who you are. I mean, has as a former child, I had no idea who I, who I was. <laughs> like, and I can just—I remember having those feelings of, I want to belong. I want to be special. I want to be noticed. I want attention. I want all these things, and not really, and and like exploring these different avenues of my identity and then my personality, and doing some dumb stuff in the process. And I could not imagine if, you know, my my brain had been a little bit different, and I thought, hey, you know, maybe. I, I kind of feel like I'm a female. And if I had actually gone through with, with something like surgery or gender reassignment surgery, only a couple years later, once my brain had fully developed to realize, you know, that was a, a childhood phase. And I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't minors who are legitimate trans people, but I would say there are probably a lot who are just confused about their identity and you let them do something permanent to their bodies and you could really damage people. It's true, because honestly, once we begin transitioning, we can't, well, uh, maybe I'm getting a little in detail here, but once you transition, you become infertile, and mm-hmm. that's stuck with you for life. Even if you detransition, that that's stuck with you forever, and if you let kids do this without fully being able to, you know, comprehend the situation, they may be, like, the, they'll have to deal with that for the rest of their lives if they weren't actually trans, and I think that that's wrong to let, you know, kids go hey let's permanently scar my body like you know while i'm a kid it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's it's wrong i believe that you should have to wait until you're 18 and yeah it's up to the individual to decide what uh once yeah once they're mature enough whether or not that's the path for them in life i think yeah and i think that as far as identifying as a different gender or dressing as a different gender or those sort of things i think that's fine that's part of exploring who you are as a human very true but yeah once you start doing something that you can't go back from as a minor who maybe doesn't have a fully, well, not maybe, doesn't have a fully formed brain yet, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it gets very dangerous. So um, have you feel like you've been discriminated against at all from Republicans? Or, I mean, apart from just ignorance, do you find that there are people who actually hate you? Or So what I've noticed is, well, okay, when it comes from, let's say, Republicans, it's more how should i put this it's like the unknown that's a that's a better way to put it okay it is that they if i get discriminated against by let's say fellow republicans it's more because they aren't sure they don't know what you know uh, where i'm at or if they do they just they believe uh you know they believe something you know or they believe what they will and that's fine too but the difference between okay i guess this is the best way to put it the bet uh the difference between let's say left leaning versus right leaning whenever i get the discrimination from let's say one of those two is that with the left it's more like they try to be well they don't try to be they, it's more like they're supposed to be with the trans but or i'm not the trans i'm sorry they're supposed to be like pro lgbt but you know a lot of the time they aren't versus but they think they are versus right leaning which is more like the unknown yeah that's the best way to put it is that they're not sure where you know, about the LGBT thing. They don't understand it yet is the best way to put it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about your running for Portland City Council. Mm-hmm. Um, position four. We have a lot of problems in Portland. 
Um, so what is what do you think are the couple things that you would do as a city councilor to make Portland a better place? So honestly, the best or the biggest issues I want to focus on Portland when I'm elected to Portland City Council is one, bringing back the Second Amendment. Well, I want to say the Constitution in general, but the Second Amendment, especially back to the city of Portland. So people are better able to defend themselves. I want the police force to be set or uh, separated. Well, I should say the police commissioner, the role of police commissioner to be separated from the mayor, hmm. because right now he has got a complete hold over uh, you know, the Portland Police Bureau, unfortunately. And uh, third, what I want to do is actually solve the homeless crisis here in Portland because it's it's that bad of an it. Unfortunately, it's that bad of an issue right now. Yeah, homelessness is one of the things that I've been focusing on as well, and it's just it, it's crazy to me how much money we spend on homelessness, only to continue to have a homelessness problem. I just posted on Facebook today a TED talk from the mayor of Albuquerque. Where with a housing first model plus job training or a jobs program where they basically got panhandlers, put them in a van and had them go clean up trash on the side of the road for all day and paid them nine bucks an hour. And they were able to reduce unsheltered homelessness by 80% in one year. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is not homelessness is a complex problem, but it's not a an unsolvable problem. That's true. We have Albuquerque and and Salt Lake City is another city that I don't know have all the details of statistics off the top of my head, but those are two cities that have basically eradicated their homelessness problem by doing the right thing. Whereas Portland, we just create a bureaucracy that spins money around in circles and pays their executive director good money only to not actually fix the problem. The just homeless kinda, industrial cre- or yes, complex, yeah. Absolutely. They, I mean, there are people making good money off homelessness. And I've said it in a couple of these podcasts already. There's a conflict of interest where if you are getting money based on the number of people who come through your door, you want the number of people coming through your door to continue being high. You, do, you don't want the homelessness problem to go away because then you'd be out of a job. That makes sense. What I've seen is that uh, in Portland last year, the city spent $30 million on the homeless uh, crisis. Mm-hmm. And there's a proposal in May to be added to the ballot for, or by the Metro Council to push for that to be raised to $300 million to cover the homeless crisis. I think it's absolutely insane. The The solution is not throwing money at a bad system. The solution is fixing the system. Yeah. And like I said, this has been done before in other cities. We just need to execute. We just need city and state leadership to actually go out and do the things that they're supposed to be doing and quit just sucking up money and actually help the people of Portland and the people of Oregon. Absolutely. That's the best way to solve this crisis because right now in Portland, it's getting, it seems like that there's no end in sight because the problem is getting progressively worse and it has been for years. Yeah, absolutely. So you said the first thing was the second amendment. Um, what exa- What specifically uh, would you say is the problem regarding the second amendment here in portland so in portland specifically i would say chapter 14a.60 that was passed by sam adams in 2010 without a vote of the people it restricts uh open carrying in portland without a concealed carry license which in my view is it's not in the rest of the state like that though it's only in the city of portland Hmm. and that that uh what, what should I call that? That resolution actually wasn't legal either until 2017 with the passage of a ORS 166.173, I believe it is. Okay. And so what is that? The Or is that just le- legitimized 
that legitimizes or it gives a uh, city and county councils the ability to uh, pass regulations on the second amendment. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I wasn't aware of that. So I have a concealed carry permit, so I guess it doesn't really affect me, but yeah, I honestly like the rest of the state doesn't work like this, but in the city of Portland, for some reason, you're not allowed to defend yourself unless you, uh, I mean, I love the concealed carry license as well, but even open carrying, you should be, or constitutional carrying, you should be allowed to do that without a permit in my view. I, I mean, that's yeah. how it works everywhere else. So it should work the same way in Portland, but we have some illegal resolution telling us, Hey, yeah, you can't, you can't practice your second amendment right without paying us money. <laughs> Interesting. Um, are you familiar with the uh, is Michael Strickland? Yes. Yeah. That's another um, issue of... So for the listeners who may not be aware, and, and correct me if I screw up some of the details, but basically he was another journalist who would go around filming Antifa, but he actually was concealed carrying when Antifa tried to do to Michael what they did to Andy. Oh, this is, this is before Andy, I believe. Yes. Um they they surrounded him and they were going to steal his stuff and and beat him up he pulled a gun on him and he was he spent some time in jail over it he did oh. and he lost his right to carry yeah like if you were to f- define self defense that's pretty much it that's a, it yeah. a crowd of of people who are hostile to you and your cause surround you with the intent of beating you up with weapons with weapons mm-hmm. I, I'd pull a gun on them too. Yeah, at that point, the, you should have the ability to defend yourself in the city of Portland. But for some reason, our local government has discriminated against, let's say, specific individuals who lean one way or another politically. And ha- at least that's my view on it. That's why that they treated Mike Strickland the way that they did. Yeah, that that's the re- they discriminated against his political ideology or wh- whatever he believes. And you know, he's just a journalist who was filming Antifa, and yet they still said, "Hey, yeah, you're not allowed to carry anymore. You lost your right to." the second amendment and you're not allowed to you know you have to go to jail and it's like what are you doing you know what i mean yeah and i i have yet to hear someone give me a good explanation from the other side you know they say there's two sides to every story and i've heard a lot of of strickland's side i have yet to have her hear anyone give me a good reason for why he was and that was anything other than than self-defense so what I've heard is in my arguments with Antifa is that because he, the Antifa allegedly weren't planning for lethal force, but Mike Strickland was defending himself with, let's say, or threatening them with legal force and self-defense, they say that it's okay. And because his presence downtown was, let's say, in a fascistic light, that's how they try to describe it anyways, they say that it was then okay for him to lose his rights, even though it's it doesn't make any sense. That's That's crazy. I, I and it's mostly just the justice system that went through with this as well. It feels like that the justice system is playing into this for some reason, one reason or another. I'm not sure why, but yeah, they decided to go after Mike Strickland instead of those who were attacking it. You know, everyday Portlanders just walking around. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so there were three things you said: homelessness, Second Amendment, and what was the third one? I forgot. Uh, the third one was uh, separate the um, role of mayor from police commissioner. Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, that is, <laughs> I <laughs> that politicizes the entire police force. It really does. It really does. This goes to the homeless thing as well, because the mayor, basic one of the reasons we have such a homeless problem in in Portland is the mayor told the police chief not to enforce laws against camping, laws against um, loitering, laws against public intoxication, public drug use, 
all those sort of things. And so when you don't enforce those laws, the homelessness increases. Mm-hmm. You're, you're Essentially, you're subsidizing homelessness rather than um, trying to help these people and get them off the street. You are just allowing these problems to continue to fester. And you're right. It, the, it should not be politicized like that. The mayor should not have the power over the police commissioner to make whatever changes he or she decides just absolutely on a whim yeah what what i've noticed is that it's definitely it feels like that the mayor is ordering the police to just like still like enforce the law but only like in certain times when it's beneficial like like politically or publicly i should say Mm. is that when he can go oh look at that the homeless or homeless people are being happy on the street it's like well, that's one way of looking at it, I guess. But at the same time, it's like you should still enforce the law equally to all Americans. That's only fair. If you say that some groups of people, it's okay to arrest, but then other groups, it isn't based on the breaking yeah. the law. I mean, yeah. I, honestly, that's really what it comes down to. If someone breaks the law, they should be, you know, prosecuted. I mean, all right. Not in all cases, but I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should, you should, the law should be enforced equally. That's, yes. <laughs> if, if I were to go out and start drinking on the sidewalk, um, I would be told to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if I were to, if I were homeless, then, it, you know, no big deal. Just, if I were to take off my shoes and then start drinking on the sidewalk, then it'd probably be okay. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, yeah. No, which the, the law should be enforced equally. Absolutely. Um, so anything else you want to talk about here? Um, I love this city and I want everybody to be happy at the end of the day. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, yeah, I just want Portland to to go back to being a safe, affordable city that everybody can just enjoy again, you know, without being the worry of violence or without the worry of, you know, any of the issues right now face Portlanders, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So why'd you pick uh, Chloe U Daily as opposed to one of the other seats that are open? So I picked Chloe U Daily because in my encounters against antifa she has been one of the most vocal supporters of antifa whose seat is up right now i would say that comes down to mayor ted wheeler joanne hardesty and chloe udaly and chloe udaly i the more i looked at her own personal policy the more i've noticed that it seems like she does honestly doesn't really seem to know what she's doing i mean she doesn't have a high school diploma. I hate saying that, but it's, hmm. it's true. And, uh, she also hasn't, I mean, the roads and sidewalks haven't been getting better here in Portland. Uh, no. she, uh, she, what was she, what should I say? Demonized neighborhood associations for literally no reason and then completely went back on it and tried to pretend that that whole issue didn't even happen, even though it did. We all know it did. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. It, it, and instead of doing anything about that, she's instead condemned, well, I want to say right-leaning people here in Portland just voicing their opinion. You know what I mean? Instead, she's gone out uh, a numerous times to speak out against the First and Second Amendment in Portland, and I think that that's wrong. I think that that's honestly... I mean, that's probably the biggest reason that I chose her seat instead, because I think I could do a better job. Good. Yeah, my one of my big issues with Chloe Daly, she's the architect of the bus-only lanes of some of these road diets. This is her idea. And even so we're right on West Burnside here, which is a huge artery uh, for vehicles, for cars. And her next phase of her plan is to take one of these lanes going each direction and make it bus only, which would just cause incredible amounts of congestion for anybody coming into and out of the city from the West side. And I've talked about this a couple of times as well, but we are five to 10 years away from autonomous vehicles taking over 
and they will be a more equitable solution. They will be a faster solution. They will be better for the environment than, than typical cars. And they're going to be inexpensive. That's that, awesome. They will, you'll be able to get from point A to point B anywhere in the city for a couple dollars. And when that happens, buses will be obsolete. No one will take the bus anymore because it will take four times as long and be roughly the same cost. It's your, your companies like Uber and Lyft and Tesla are going to start operating fleets in the city and they're all going to be electric and you're going to be able to hail a ride from anywhere to anywhere. And instead of paying what you pay normally for Lyft, which includes a driver, you don't now don't have to pay for that driver. And the cost to operate a autonomous electric vehicle is very, very low, which means again, you're going to be paying dollars to get across the city so unless this the bus becomes free it's it's not gonna anyway we're going the absolute wrong direction when it comes to transit and chloe daily is is the architect of going the wrong direction i agree with that 100 percent. like okay what we should be doing then instead of investing in our bus only lanes and you know trying to modernize our max trains which doesn't really seem to be working either we should be improving the roadways here Mm -hmm. in the city and our highways because that's how in the future we're gonna i mean we have more people moving to portland portland's becoming a large city and the or the traffic is getting so bad right now that instead of trying to resolve that issue they're trying to say well just take public transit i don't think that that's a proper solution it's that not. doesn't work for everyone absolutely and it doesn't work it, it's it prevents people from moving up the social ladder yeah. and this is another comment that i've tried to make online a couple of times yes okay if you are a low income person making $25,000 a year you live out in you know east 160th or something you know out where you can actually afford to live and you have a job in downtown portland you need to take the bus back and forth because you can't maybe can't afford a vehicle or it you can't afford parking or i get that but if you are making twenty five thousand dollars a year and you get offered a job that's now making thirty thousand dollars a year or 35 or 40 in a different location that isn't serviced by the bus Mm -hmm. you have to turn that down because you can't get there one of the best paths to moving up the socioeconomic ladder is personal transportation mm-hmm. because you're allowed, you're able to change jobs. You're able to pursue other opportunities that you just can't do if you're relying on the bus system. Absolutely. So yeah, it's good for low income people who can't afford a car, but a low income person who can't afford a car who is trying to move up the ladder and become, move into the middle class. These bus only things are terrible. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, 100% I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Getting me excited about transit. Um, Look, we're going to fix this city with the roads and sidewalks, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So there is a uh, there's another guy who entered the the race that you're in. Um former city councilor, former mayor who Former mayor Sam Adams. Sam Adams. Oh, the same guy that we were talking about just a minute ago. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was the same guy. Um, yep. So what do you think about that? You've got an incumbent in Chloe Daly and you've got a former mayor running for this city council seat i'm thinking my chances are pretty good honestly yeah <laughs> yep it's uh former mayor sam adams it's it seems like that his uh a lot of his base it was is also chloe's base is what i've noticed oh okay that's why i believe that i think my odds are pretty good <laughs> interesting interesting cool well we're getting toward the end of our time so why don't i we're gonna follow up excuse me we're not gonna follow up we're gonna finish up uh, with the question we ask all our guests, that is, who is your favorite Republican? My favorite Republican? Living or dead, past, present, future. Maybe not future, but... Okay. Mm, 
honestly, I'm probably gonna have to go with. Mm, yeah, I'm probably gonna go with the president. Mm. Trump. Yep. Yeah, I like him. And and uh, why would you pick Trump? Well, the thing I like about him is that he honestly says what he thinks he needs to say at the time. You know what I mean? And mm. that's a uh, that's something that I feel I feel like that a lot of people don't have. You know what I mean? And it's cool to see it. It's refreshing. And I'm also seeing noticing other people finally speaking up, and I think that's awesome. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, all right. I think we're just going to finish up then. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, it was awesome. Do you want to plug a website or something before we go? Uh, Sure. So my website is alyssaportland.com. I am... Uh, yeah, I'm also on Facebook, Alyssa Vincent Haler from Portland City Council. And yep, that's me. Great. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to The Rational Republican. Please like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting service, or you can listen on our website, jamesaball.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media, and if you're feeling extra generous, you can visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash rationalrepublican. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.